0: The year was 1974, and let's admit it, the world was a different place. But you know, one thing remains the same. People then, as now, were asking the question, could this be the end of the world? You know, in 1974, the globe was locked into a recession. I want you to remember this. In the United States alone, the annual rate of inflation topped 11%. Gas prices soared to an astounding 42 cents per gallon. A dozen eggs set you back 45 cents. A virus that seemed to come out of nowhere struck India, killing over 20,000, causing epidemiologists to warn of possible spread. Britain was under attack. The IRA bombed the London Tower, the House of Parliament. And then to add to all of this, global changes in weather set off A chain of tornadoes, 148 of them in one 24-hour period, slammed into 13 states, killing 315 and injuring 5,000 people. Could this be the end of the world? You know, in the 1970s, stepping in to answer that question was the voice of a self-proclaimed prophet and author named Hal Lindsey. Some of you remember that name. He had written a book in 1970 that had become the New York Times' number one bestseller. The name of the book, do you remember it? The Late Great Planet Earth. By 1974, his voice had become so prominent that a televised special featuring Lindsay attracted a viewership of over 17 million. Let me put that into context. In 2023, our top-rated television show gathers a smaller audience of only 16 million. In his show, Lindsay touted the 70s as the era of Antichrist, suggesting that a rapture in which those people who believed in Jesus as the Christ would be removed to heaven from this world was imminent. Perhaps Lindsay was suggesting this was the end of the world. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? As long as you can remember it. We've all had a fascination with the end times. Uh, Jesus, he instructed his followers to understand that of that day and that hour knoweth no man. But we still, we keep asking the question, could this be it the same was true in Daniel's time and this episode of God says living I really want to invite you to join me Uh, we're going to return to the beginning of chapter 7 and I want to look at some of the content God gave to Daniel through an ecstatic experience a dream while the world was very different at 553 BC one thing remained as true for those people living then as it does for us today without question people wondered could this be it the end of the world i'm going to tell you one of the things that really got me thinking about this was an incident that happened friday march 4th of this year at zaborzia ukraine Uh, as this podcast is being produced i think a lot of you know a war is going on in the ukraine russian troops uh, advancing on the capital city uh, that particular day um, decided to attack uh, a, a Ukraine's largest nuclear plant. Listen, this thing has six nuclear reactors and they're shooting at it. You couldn't watch it without thinking of Chernobyl. Remember Chernobyl, 1986. Um, listen to me. An explosion at Zaporozhye would have produced a nuclear blaster meltdown. Are you ready for this? Ten times that of Chernobyl. The following of radiation would have been unfathomable. That's that's the stuff that end-of-the-world fodder is made up of i think historically when you look back you can almost demonstrate and we've always had this fascination in 1910 astronomers were talking about Halley's comet it's going to strike the earth life will be over in the year 2000 some of you lived through this with me the y2k bug civilization will collapse in 2008 it was the large hadron collider it's going to create a black hole matter will be destroyed and today There's a lot of alarms being sounded around the development of artificial intelligence. So is there any basis for this? Marshall Bryan, uh, in his book, The Doomsday Book, thinks so. Uh, If you've ever read it, he kind of divides his thinking up into several categories, man-made disasters, natural disasters. And this is kind of a fun one, science fiction made real. When you read his book, he talks through scenarios, viruses, cataclysmic tsunamis, the devolution of the sun, nuclear disasters, and I read all of that. and you know what comes to my mind? The Revelation, chapter 6, verse 14, John telling us, you know what, one day the earth will come to an end. It'll be rolled up, he says, like a scroll and burned. Revelation 21 tells us the current earth, along with its atmosphere and universe, will pass away. The Bible doesn't name the day, the time, or the method that God will use to bring this last period of history to a close. But he he does say, be ready for it. Psalm 90 tells us to live in a way that we number our days and apply the wisdom of God. Now, I think that's what makes Daniel's dream in chapter 7 so interesting to me. I want you to remember where we are historically. Uh, Daniel tells us that we're in the first year of the reign of King Belshazzar over Babylon. I want you to list, listen to these words. I'm going to just read one verse today. It's verse one. It reads as follows. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream. End quote. So here's what we know. Historically Nabonidus, the despised king of Babylon, appointed his son Belshazzar, to rule together with him as a co-regent. So year five fifty three BC. So this is the beginning of chapter 7. It's where it takes us. Now that said, chapter 6, the chapter just before, ended by taking us to the fall of Babylon in the year 539. In other words, there's a 14-year difference between the action that takes place at the end of chapter 6 and the dream Daniel has in 553 BC. I'm going to say this simply. Daniel here is presenting us with something that I would simply call a flashback. In essence, he's saying, I want to tell you about a dream that I had 14 years ago. Now, here's my question. Why? Why would he do that? What's happening that would make Daniel want to say to his hearers, hey, I want to share this old dream with you now. So can I answer the question simply? Chernobyl, Siporsia, meltdown. Here's what I mean. As Daniel is relating this dream, the world has been turned upside down for the Babylonians everything that they've staked their lives and their reputations upon is gone and not not only gone but gone in an instant I mean one day Babylon is at the top of the food chain they rule the world all is well they have to their knowledge an impenetrable city a formidable economy the most sophisticated military force known to man and then boom it blows up overnight with the invasion of Persia make no mistake about it to the Babylonians it feels like their world is coming to an end everything they know is turned upside down people really are wondering is this the end of the world when Daniel shows up and says hey let me tell you about a dream I had 14 years ago so, so what's he doing why is he waiting? These 14 years, I'm going to use a word here, and the word is perspective. Daniel wants to bring perspective to what seems like a doomsday event in the lives of a whole lot of people. Here's what what he wants to show the people of Babylon. The dream that he had described to a T exactly what is happening to them. In other words, Daniel wants to say, hey, what you see happening today, what seems to you like a doomsday event, that this overthrow of your nation, it's not. Actually, what you see happening today, I dreamed about 14 years ago. It was actually planned by God. It's at his heart. It's it's what has happened. And if you can get that, if you can get the fact that nothing happens outside of his will, you can rise above what seems to you like the end of the world today. Can I get really simple again? Daniel is saying to his hearers, this end of the world event, God planned it. And not only did he plan it, but if you will allow, he wants to accomplish some really good things through it, which is what I find helpful for our lives today. I'm going to ask you a question today. Hey, have you ever heard someone use this phrase? I feel like my life has ended. It's kind of an individualized version of, is this the end of the world? So again, let me ask you this. When do you typically hear people use this kind of language? Not when things are good, right? But when something has happened that so disrupts our lives, we can't see past the event. A child we've prayed for and hoped for, maybe for years, enters the world stillborn. Someone we love commits suicide. Dementia steals away the life of someone that we had hoped to share our golden years with. A spouse wants a divorce, seemingly out of nowhere. One of our children is convicted and imprisoned. We lose our dream job. And and I could go on. When something so significant happens that our minds and emotions are, are really unable to move forward, we find ourselves feeling like our world, the, the world as we've imagined it, is, is over. It's ended, but it hasn't. Back to Daniel 7. What I appreciate so much about this first dream sequence in Daniel's life is the way that God uses this dream through Daniel to lift up a group of people above their experience of disruption. In other words, God intends through this dream to draw a people who don't know him, the Babylonians, to himself. He intends to suggest that perhaps what seems like an end is in fact only a new beginning. I don't want to sound cliche in this, but I really do want to lift up two questions. And and I hope in some small way to put into perspective those times in our lives when we really do feel like we've reached an end. So here's question one, what what actually is happening inside of a person inside of us when a significant disruption causes us to reach a point where we feel like our world has ended. It's kind of interesting in 2019 circ that's the crisis and emergency risk communication division of the CDC issued an update to the work that they've done in this area of understanding the psychology of crisis uh, because they work with people experiencing uh, levels of crisis filled with complexity. They've identified the fact that our minds process these and act upon information differently than we do in non-crisis times. Now I'm not going to try to give you all four ways that that CIRC identifies uh, our, our responsiveness to crisis, but, but I do want to highlight two of them. The first one is this, what happens inside of us? This, this major disruption goes on. And then the first thing that happens is I begin to believe inaccurate messages. So typically there's a lot of messaging that goes on around disruptions that happen in our lives, whether through family members or well-intentioned friends, even, even people uh, in our church circles, or or even outside of our circles. There's multiple, often conflicting messages, and our minds have a hard time sorting them, which can, of course, lead to a place where we begin to believe messages that aren't helpful and, and in fact, are perhaps harmful to us. Secondly, I would just want to highlight this. We enter into a realm of uncertainty. Everything that may have been certain prior to the crisis, It is no longer certain we lose underpinnings or foundation. I'm, I'm thinking right now of almost 2 million individuals from the Ukraine that overnight became refugees. I mean, in an instant, everything they've known, everything that's been certain in their lives is no longer. So it's interesting that this is the exact scenario faced by the Babylonians in Daniel's time. Now, I'm oversimplifying the circ data here. I do encourage people to look at it, but I want to drive home this point. I believe that at a psychological level, extreme disruption places us into a vulnerable position in which I believe something deeper than psychology begins to happen at a spiritual level. In our most vulnerable moments, and this is true, a war begins to take place within us. Often it's a war for the very soul of a person. It's a war where our spiritual enemy really seeks to take advantage of of our vulnerability, but it's also one in which the spirit of God punches back with his promises, which leads me to question two. Am I talking to you? I guess I want to be sensitive enough today to realize that most of us on this podcast, we've lived through some significant disruptions in our life. And we're probably not the same people today as we were before those disruptions. We've been changed by them. My hope is they've grown you. Your disruptions may have left you, as some of my own have, with some scars, wounds, some some places of pain. But, but I pray at the end they've, they've made you stronger. And I, want, I just want to be sensitive to that reality. I also want to be responsible enough to recognize that for some of you listening today, you're in the midst of significant disruption. Now, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know what's happening in your life right now or the depth of your disruption, but I do have a prayer for you. I want to pray that God will hold on to you the same way that he held on to Daniel. Every time I read this book, I, I can't help but know that apart from faith, Daniel's story, it would have turned out so differently. He could easily have become combative, bitter, rebellious towards his captures. Certainly, he could have dismissed God from his life, but he did none of these. Instead, you know what he did? He served those who sought to use him. He actually cared for them, desirous that they might come to know Jesus. Now, none of this happened because Daniel was stronger than most people or had a greater faith. It happened because God held on to him in the midst of what was without question a tremendously painful time in his life. If you're going through a time right now where you feel like life has just ended for you, you you feel lost, discouraged, hopeless, my prayer is the Holy Spirit might work powerfully within you, Not, not to bring some quick fix or superficial solution to the disruption you're living through, but to bring you a strength of faith that is able to endure whatever you're going through. As we conclude this week, I just want to pray for that. Even as we answer the question, is it the end of the world? Well, I do believe that the very signs of the end that Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew 24 are more and more apparent that they are. Yet the description of a habit a time, which will precede the end given to John in the revelation, tells me we're not quite there yet. That said, what we've talked about today is a bit more personal. We've talked about those times when in a personal way, we really can feel through the experience of significant disruption like our lives are at an end. If that's you today, I just want to pray. Lord, I do want to just lift up uh, people who are are listening today because I know some of us are just going through having the, the rug pulled out from underneath our lives and it feels like. Everything we've known is is up in the air and there there is no more certainty. And yet, Lord, you pull us above that and remind us that you have hold of us. Lord, I, I just want to pray for those who are going through disruption today that you'll be their strength through it. Well, that's it for this week. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, if this content is a blessing to you, Please pass it on to someone you know. In the meantime, know this. I'm going to be praying for you and your family. I'm going to ask you to pray for mine. Until next time, have a God-sized week.